Welcome back to Cycles of Orion. This is the sixth episode of Volume 1, Fire in the Dark, containing the fourth and final chapter of Jacob and the Time Traveler. Sit back, relax, and take yourself away into the world of the Orion Spur. Jacob and the Time Traveler, Chapter 4 On board of the Cutlass, mid-flight to Simpkin Matthew won't let me onto his internet. Something about the secrets of the future, I don't know. So now I'm forced to look around the ship, which, you know, is actually a pretty great pastime. It's got this command station made out of stone and copper that's made to look like a flat-topped egg. And on its flat top, there's this glass surface with projectors underneath that can throw anything onto three dimensions. <clears throat> I really like this ship, man. It's Matthew. And so do I. And of course, there's always something to be desired. Windows. Windows would be nice. Things armored three times over, but it feels more like a souped-up bomb shelter than a personal craft. Where'd you get it? Yarrow? Doesn't look modular, but I've seen some sleek ships come out of those yards. I picked it up second-hand. Belonged to some Darwinian dignitary or another. Huh. Well, those Darwinians sure know how to make something pretty. <laughs> pretty? Yes. Comfortable? That'll take some tweaking. The Darwinians are so used to being regal, they've forgotten that the rest of humanity likes to move around a bit. Recline, even. Matthew hasn't been looking my way. He's fiddling with something on his interface. Down on my own, I cycle through some menus, but eventually I settle on watching the panorama that Matthew's got running on the projector. I will it into my visual cortex and watch the landscape go by. The mountains east of Arkeedon give way to forests, and then to plains and rivers farther off. The blue water and deep greens make the planet look juicy and round, supple with color. In front of the ship, there are gentle rolling hills painted in yellows and greens. Between them, there's fields planted, looking like they're ready to harvest. Looking at the fields, I can see some brick and stone buildings that look like they grew out of the ground with the vegetables around them. But nothing looks like a city, even a city like Arkeedon. I say to Matthew, if I were to be looking for Simkin... It's on the coast, about ten minutes off. This is Bakersfield. Want some tea? Nah, I'm good, thanks, though. So, you think you'll find them? One way to find out. Yeah, but... Do you think you'll find them? <sighs> I'll know soon enough. And if you don't? Well, then... I'll keep looking. We traveled a lot, and there's even a chance we're off-world. My wife always wanted to move, but every time we got close to going, we shied away. Then once our daughter was born, it, it just seemed right to settle. How old was she? Your daughter? Hmm. She'd be alive. So you should be here. I don't know, Jacob. You never really answered me about your family. Isn't that a little, you know... Strange. For Agathon? Mm-hmm. It is. I was born in the Commonwealth on a body. Things are a little more traditional-traditional there, if you know what I mean. Rebecca was from Zenith, but we met in Ark Eden. And then when our daughter came, we said that we would send her off like the rest, but... Well, I suppose we were selfish. We wanted to raise her ourselves, to be like us, I guess. Strange sort of vanity. 
We wanted immortality for ourselves, but not for our culture. Maybe we figured we had lived our own lives, and so we had the knowledge to bring her up right. Even after she was born, when we knew that something was missing, we would convince ourselves we were on the right track somehow. Once you have what feels like a perfect idea, it's the hardest thing to convince yourself you're wrong. Whole lines of thought get formed out of your faith in the idea, pasts rationalized, futures extrapolated, and a present that feels like hunting, waiting on a grassy knoll, not knowing that it's Abel out there. Abel is the name of a Sasquatch-like creature that is said to roam the forests east of Ark Eden. He's been sighted, but never recorded. Cheeky tourists often comment that if the Agate weren't such Luddites, they could easily record proof. But little do the tourists consider that the value of a myth comes from its implausibility. We're here. Hmm. But I don't see my house. I can see my tree, but I don't see my house. Hold on to something. Ass! Where is this place? Aren't we looking for a city? Mm, more of a hamlet. Don't blink, you might miss it. This isn't right, though. Hmm. This, this can't be right. But no, this isn't right. I walk over to the console and wave up port view. There are a few small buildings below, but I don't get to look for long before Matthew burns his forward thrusters to stop the ship, drops it into a small clearing in the trees, and thrusts his ventrals last minute to cushion the landing. I don't even know if I could do that, but I'm sure as hell not telling him that. Doesn't matter anyway, he immediately goes ahead and does something stupid. He takes his boiling hot cup of tea and gulps down the whole thing at once. You can tell he regrets it immediately, but he manages to keep it down. Oh, speedy matter burns. Let's go. We walk down out of the cutlass and make our way to the mouth of the river, where I get my first good look at Simkin. The whole place is built in the trees. Like, not built on trees, even though there are bridges and things like that, but built into trees. Like, the trees somehow grew these buildings inside of them. Most of them have stone supports on the ground, and then up, up, up they go, floor by floor inside of the tree. Some of them have balconies, some of them have bridges connecting to other trees. There are two, maybe three hundred of them. But between them and inside them, there is nothing. No people, no animals, nothing. I ask Matthew where everyone is, but he runs off upstream. I catch up and ask again. Working, of course. They're probably there, library. Without her in the fields. Wouldn't your wife be there then? Where does she work? Come to think of it, where does anyone work? And why? For what? Ask you. And then he runs off to a cluster of medium-sized trees supporting small-sized homes. He scans the windows, jogs from tree to tree, and then runs off toward another cluster. I catch up each time, ask questions, get ignored, repeat, and then this goes on until the sun gets dim. Then a bell sounds from the library. What was that all about? I was visiting friends. You didn't see anyone? Well, I didn't have to. I know there's signs and they're all here. Now we wait. Right. What about your place? Did you find Mary! It? Hmm, yes. Can I help you? Mary, it's me. Look at my face. Mary looks like a nice old lady. Reminds me of my Nona. 
She looks at Matthew and honestly tries to remember. Hmm. I'm sorry, friend, but I don't think we've met. But we have, Mary. Mary, look at me. Look at me, please. Tell me you remember. This means a lot to you, hmm? All right. Why don't you refresh me? Matthew looks astounded. He doesn't know what to do with himself, and honestly, I'm starting to feel the same way. Have I got caught up in an idea and followed it blindly? Have I followed a madman to Agathon? Is Matthew some lunatic? Estranged and exiled? Maybe this is how the Agate deal with their criminals. The great shunning. It certainly fits their character. Ruth! Your daughter, Ruth! Her and my Cameron, they used to play tricks on the local kids. Them and Ben's son, Mark. They were the only three kids to know their parents on the whole planet. Ben and Mark Fraser? I know the Frasers, hmm. But I've never heard of any young boys named Cameron. Hmm. What's your name again? <sighs> Mary, you've lived in Simpkin your whole life, yeah? That's right. Do I give off a look or something? <laughs> that, that must be it, Mary. Uh, do you know Rebecca Solvey? Solvey? I know Solvey, of course! Oh, good, good, Mary, good. Where can I find her? Oh, well, she just moved here with her partner, James, about two years ago. Took over Deacon's old place. Hmm. They both work at the library, but she's always there early. Librarians and all. Hmm. You could probably catch her out of home any minute now. I wouldn't wait too long, though. She's moving off world soon, so says I. You hear that? She's moving off world. No, no, she's not going anywhere. You remember, I told you. I told you, didn't I? But her husband. James, was it? James, yeah. That isn't Matthew. Well, who says Matthew is my real name? Is it? Maybe my name's changed. And not hers? And not hers. <laughs> all right, all right. But her husband, James, not Matthew, and her. Who's to say that they aren't different from you? No. Maybe they're packing no, as we no, speak. No, no, no. That isn't the way it happened. And you not existing. That is the way it happened? Why are you still here? If you're so convinced that this isn't me, then why don't you go pack up and leave and get back to that sad little life of yours inside that miserable tin can? Pick up some sludge on your way through Arkeden and get tanked on the way to the VMC. I didn't ask for you to follow me here. I didn't beg for your company. So please, if you aren't going to help, I suggest you bug off. <sighs> no, then? Look, it's... It's, uh... Starting to look like I'm the only one who recognizes you around here. You sure you want to throw that away? If you want to know why I'm here, it's you. Not a lot of people just come up and grab you these days, you know? It's the kind of stuff that happens in Sims, but then you show up and my life's got more adventure than ever. Maybe I'm just hanging on to the idea, but you really don't know what's going on, do you? Well... Come on. We'll find out soon enough. We walk into the center of a small cluster of homes, one which is apparently Deacon's old place. And we sit near a well-used fire pit. There Matthew broods, and I start wondering if maybe I got too close to the truth when I say I was the only person who knew him. Maybe I should have said that he was the only person who knows me. This is the longest that I've spent with another human being in years. It's becoming clear that something very strange is going on, either in Matthew's head or around it, 
and that a breaking point is fast approaching. Makes me think of what Matthew and I were talking about earlier. That events have weight and they pull you onto them with a force equal to the intensity of their chaos. I feel like I can feel the future. I feel like we can all feel the future. In times of peace, maybe, we're drawn to times of war. What did Matthew call those jerks? Acadians? I don't get to ask. Matthew suddenly goes pale and stands up, soft and limp. All he does is stare. Rebecca looks happy. She has dark hair and dark eyes with sharp features, like Matthew, but where his face is a mess of coarse stubble and jagged emotion, hers is clean and joyful. She looks kind. Behind her is a man who keeps rubbing her back and touching her stomach. That must be James. Rebecca. Hello, friend. New in town? Where? In, in from Ark Eden? Do you know these two, Becca? No. That no must have hurt Matthew, but he's trying to hide it. His cheek twitches. Looks like there's something shattered inside of him. Oh, how rude of me. My name, well, you seem to know me, Rebecca, and this is my, well, I suppose I'd better get used to saying fiancé, James. Matthew, it's great to meet you, Rebecca. Do you... So, you're, you're moving off-world. I, I saw your bags. We leave in three days. We're keeping the baby, see, but we still want her to go to school. A weak smile twitches across Matthew's face as he looks at Rebecca's swollen belly. He looks up at her face. Your idea? She nods and grins, and then looks at Matthew like I've never seen anyone do before. She reaches out and touches his arm he shudders at her touch. Are you all right, Matthew? <sighs> I'm a bit strange, Rebecca. That's all. Don't mind me. Then he nods, waves, and walks away. He's walking fast, almost jogging, but he's not aimless like he was before. He walks straight and narrow with his head down as if he's following a line on the forest floor. For me, though, it isn't so much about keeping up as it is about keeping a safe distance from whatever time bomb is about to go off inside Matthew's head. That being said, I sure as hell want to see it when it finally explodes. So, as far as I can tell, one of three things just happened. One, a crazy man just confused the hell out of a pregnant woman and her partner and led me on a wild goose chase across the spur. Then, all at once, he became aware of his insanity and now he's off to confront the reality that he had rejected in favor of his own. Out of all these options, this one seems the simplest. Two, Matthew is an exiled criminal, and the Agate shun their problems away. But that seems like too much of a stretch. These people are certainly loose with their idea of justice, but they wouldn't deal with a murderer by giving him the silent treatment. Would they? No, they would not. And finally, it could be that the time traveler was telling the truth, and that the situation just got a whole lot more complicated. This is my favorite, and the reason I'm still on Matthew's tale. Not because of any sort of evidence, but because of the passions of the man himself. Can I trust the truth in someone's eyes because I've felt it in my heart? One thing's for sure, I'm not letting Matthew out of my sight. Speaking of Matthew, he sticks his hand in his pocket and something clicks up ahead. He runs. By the time he reaches the cutlass, the companionway is down and he boards. I run as fast as I can, but I don't manage to make it before the ship is sealed off. I yell and scream for Matthew to let me in, but the cutlass lifts off and I just have to stand there and watch it go. 
And now here I am, trapped without transport in a town with little contact. I find the pub pretty quick. It's not as loud and packed as the Arcadian public house, but it's cozy and equally welcoming. Called the Arbor Flagon. Two pints of sludge in, I start to think about the times in which I live in. I was born too late, you know. All the real explorers, the buccaneers of sea and sky, they died out long ago. That was back when trade was free and routes were fast. I could have shipped a load from the VMC to anywhere in a few hours and made so much on the currency exchange alone that fuel costs would have been zilch. Now, anywhere over six jumps takes at least a day, and that's the maximum warp. Economy speed? Warp 5? You're talking 10 days on the lines. Chatkapulan shal krogosh is al alamos for thieves dine in hell. Literally, hell dining belonging to thieves. Nah, the crags have never stolen anything from me. Not really. Nothing except the good old days I never knew. I'm no smuggler, but sometimes I think about cutting loose. But then I think about pirates, and then I think about the cowardice, and then, well, then I stop thinking. The bartender, her name is Darlene, but she goes by Darla. She'd be chatting with a woman in tweed, but now she makes her way over to me. Tells me I'm looking like I'm having an awful time beating up on myself. We talk for a bit. I get myself a roast of whatever this used to be, and Darla tells me she used to work for the VMC too. She was a coordinator between a company called Hydreon Limited and their backers on PAX. I ask her, you're a PAXer? And she drops her false accent. Yeah, you surprised? You could say that. You don't mind me asking. Why'd you come? Don't mind at all. I came here for freedom. Most do. <laughs> I come for the food alone. <laughs> yeah, well, you should come back for the food. Nah, nah. I meant to stay. I've always felt like I've been out of my element. This seems like the kind of place you could really find yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, no offense, Jacob, but living on Agathon? No, not you. You're better suited for another kind of life, believe me. Oh, yeah? Why would you say that? It's not a bad thing, don't think that. People have their niches, is all. You just aren't the type who would thrive here. Okay, let me ask you a question. What did you do on your way here to Agathon? Well, uh, I, um, I read up on that Agni Choji guy in the Elysium Corps. Oh yeah? For how long? 20 days or so? You must be an expert by now. And I calibrated my guns. I bet they fire pretty damn straight. Is that all? Yeah, all right. I spent my time fucking around and getting drunk with my dog. What do you care what I do in war? <laughs> As a side note, it was at this point that Jacob realized that he had neglected to bring Max to Simpkin, and that the small orange dog would be roaming the Arkeden countryside for at least a night and a day. An emotional chord was struck, something to the tune of, Oh God, no, I'm turning into my father's, and there was even a glimmer of the further, more horrendous realization that Max had never taken a sick cocktail. But... It was silenced by Darla's interjection. I don't care what you do, Jacob, because you don't live here. All right, Miss Prim, what do you do in Warp? I train, I read, I do the same things I do anywhere. It's not about what you do in Warp, it's about what you do when no one else is going to find out what you did. <sighs> the Agate have a, a flow to them. Like, each action they take is a result of something like social osmosis. Things are done when they need doing, and there are always Agate training up to do it. I don't think people choose to live on Agathon, it just... it just happens. Ugh, fucking propaganda. That's enough, Vikram. Ugh. 
So you think I'm too lazy to live on Agathon? Agathon, the least productive place in the Spur. Honestly, what have you people given the rest of humanity in the last century, huh? Name one thing. You wouldn't be happy here, Jacob. We are a different kind of productive. You're selfish. You live here in your green garden world, practically stuffed with wealth. And how much does the rest of Orion see, hmm? Where in packs can you get food like this? The Federation doesn't want our meat for the same reason Zenith doesn't want our meat. It's meat. Something with a face, something expensive to raise and slaughter and cook, had to die so you could eat that. The Romanine won't have it, and neither will the Spur. Not while they can synth anything anyway. But the land! Think of the wealth in this world. You got what? Five cities here? And cities. Yeah, right. This world is not for sale. No. It's just yours to hoard and enjoy. <laughs> You're right, you know. So bullshit, so says I. This place, this planet. Fact of the matter is that Agathon only works because it's here. We're 100,000 people on one scrap of land, on one little continent, and so we don't even have the numbers for disaster. Not like we're not as shady as the rest of you. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Give us a million more heads and someone's bound to cause a ruckus. All right, Vikram. All right, Darla. I'm going, I'm going. Vikram, eh? Don't need more friends, so says I. All right, then. I wander around Simkin for about an hour before I come across a small craft by the side of a field with the console unlocked because, of course it is, it's Agathon. So I hop in, figuring that if it technically doesn't belong to anyone, then as long as I'm using it, it's mine. I'm in Arkeedon before dark, and I arrive to find Max, supine under my shuttle. He gets up, shakes, and trots over like I never left. Max is a resourceful guy, and he's cute, so he probably managed to find a few meals at least. It's kind of touching that Max would meet neglect with love. Is it bad memory, or does he just not dwell on the past? The life of a dog seems like a perpetual present where every moment offers up a new and exciting experience without any guilt or anxiety. Max knows about the past and the future, but he doesn't live there. He lives now. Maybe you're the one who should live here, Max. I'm sorry, buddy. I'll do better. Come on. You know, if what he said was true, then the time traveler's lost his entire life. He somehow come back in time, and the verses reconfigured itself around him. Fine, poor Matthew and all, but what does that say about me? Am I just a piece of that verse revolving around that troubled, jagged man? Is he some kind of weird god creating verses by accident? I don't know, and I still don't know what any of that says about me. I don't have any family that I care to remember. No friends except Max, and I guess Matthew. I never felt at home anywhere I've gone. Every time I started over, I've been stunned. Like everyone else has been digging their roots for centuries and I'm here, holding onto blades of grass. Someone told me once that I couldn't solve my problems by running away from them. But I don't run away. I run to things. I start a newer, better life where I know I'll be happy and accepted and where I'll have dignity and status. <sighs> 
I used to spend whole days imagining those new lives. Life always seemed better somewhere else. But now, now I got a shot at the ultimate somewhere else. Can't get your life together? Try a new verse. I'll look out at Agathon once we get into orbit. Wow, does it ever look like Earth? Like Earth used to look, I mean. In fact, most inhabited worlds tend to look this way, but none of them make it all the way. They all get the aesthetic right, but the essence of the thing, the history, the tensions, the love, the hate, it always comes off too clean. Even Agathon. The trick, I think, which none of them seem to figure out, is to stop trying so hard. They can never match up the original because, <laughs> like Matthew said, you can go back in space, but not in time. First thing I do when I get back to Merceau is will myself into the internet. I feel the dense ocean of history flood into me, a tsunami of information cresting over itself and into my memory. I feel bigger than I ever have before. Bigger, wiser, and yet... Wrong. Something's wrong, and I can't figure out what it is. It's like there's a secret presence in the net. A corruption. A virus that taints every post and every query. I try to find it, try to capture it with my attention, but I just roll around inside my mind. I loop back in on myself, dance a spinning waltz around a well of information. I am the well, I am the dancer, and I am the dance. But something about the steps... It's wrong! My whole body shakes and I cut off the connection. The net will never be the same. Five hours and a good nap later, I arrive on a body and sell everything I have in my cargo hold. I get my fabricator fixed, get a replacement latch on the cryo bay, fill the tank up with propellant, and half fill my holds with fuel cells. I wire the guild and they send me a new assignment within a few hours. Immediate delivery from my body to Vermilla. With the guild paying my way, that's an easy 12 hours at maximum warp. But two hours in, I'm still fussing over Matthew's ghost. I look down at the helm, the big large lettering, W-X across my field of vision. Max is staring at me, but he turns away when I look over at him. I get up, find some wine, grab a steak for Max, and cringe when I notice that it smells like metal. Then, sitting back at the helm, I drain my glass. Pour another. I will up at the shift safety protocols and start a maintenance cycle. Then, I override the engine shutdown when it starts. Close my eyes and think of Wanda's crooked smile as I thrust my hand forward over the throttle. Follow your friend, she said. <laughs> Max. I'm a damn fool. This has been the sixth episode of Cycles of Orion, Volume 1, Fire in the Dark, starring Michael Palmer as Jacob, Michaela Macht as Rebecca, Madeline Funell as Mary, Brendan Ahern as James, Taryn Milne as Darla, Danny Devine as Vikram, and E.P. Danis as both the narrator and the time traveler. 
A special thanks goes out to Gunnar Jonsson from EpidemicSound.com, provider of this episode's ending music, and we would like to thank as well the creators at Freesound.com, without whom this series would be a whole lot duller. And of course, we would like to thank you for listening. Tune in next month for the beginning of the Axiom Sequence, a seven-part short story cycle featuring a motley cast of troubled characters. But in the meantime, don't forget to share on social media, and if you want to read more from E.P. Danis, head over to epdanis.com. <laughs>